Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, and you're listening to my Tour Coach Podcast. Tour Coach Podcasts come from my stories, the interviews, my roundtable discussions, the day-to-day interaction with the people that I teach in my journey in the game of golf, whether it's tour players that I teach or tour players that have fired me or, heck, it's other teachers that I think the world of and respect or it's mental coaches, performance coaches, or, hey, maybe it's just people that have made an indelible mark on my teaching. Whatever it is, I hope this helps you learn more about the playing, the teaching, or enjoying the great game of golf. I sure as heck have fun doing this. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. We've got great sponsors. We've always got great guests. And one thing that we for sure do here on the Tour Coach is we keep it real. None of this is scripted. This is just authentic. This is the discussions and the day-to-day interactions that we have as the dew sweepers and teaching and trying to help all of you play better golf. And look, if you enjoy our instruction and you're somebody wanting to get better, why don't you come see us and get help for your game with our world-famous retreats, which are going to be at Old Palm Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens with my good friends Mark Hackett, Dan Terleski, Colby Tuyeg, Dr. Greg Carton, and, and a host of many, many more. Or you can come see me at uh, my studio in Mobile, Alabama, or at the Preserve Golf Club. And remember, everything you need to play better golf is always going to be available for you at DoSweepersGolf.com. You can find out where I am and how to be on a podcast if you go there. Enjoy this edition of The Tour Coach. So we're down here at Old Palm, another exciting weekend. We got Dan Terleski, we got Mark Hackett, Lynn Valentine, and Richard Turga, Tim Jankowski, who I haven't seen. And Tim, it's been how long? It's been about what, five, six years? Mark? Five, six years ago. Worked for me a little bit over at Panama City, starting out with teaching, doing a nice job over on the west coast of Florida. Got hit a little bit by a hurricane, I'm assuming. Yes, sir. <laughs> we did okay, but there are a lot of people on that coast that are they're hurting, man. They, uh, they got nothing. Yeah. And I can take a pile of rubble over nothing. And they just got just flattened. Mm, it's sad. They're, uh, they're coming back. They're, they're doing a lot of good work. I mean, the people are doing good work. The city, the state, everybody's chipping in. And That's great. They, they need to be done. How long before you get back to work? So I got fortunate. Uh, we had a partnership with TrueSpec. They had an empty bay. So uh, oh, cool. last month or so, I've been indoors full time. And I got to say, I love it. And it's great to be able to take a field, turn it into numbers, and then solidify the field. Awesome. But they're able to really well, get that, on with them. That kind of leads us to like, so all of us, I think, you know, still we teach lots of just recreational, I mean, I call them regular golfers, but they're the people that we see every day. We've had, we had a bunch of them today. We had a good group of them, you know, in this putting thing. So let's talk, I, I'm a big believer. I was talking to, hack. I was talking to our good friend Wayne Flint earlier this morning. And we talked about how a great goal when you're teaching recreational golfers is to cut a handicap by 20% in six months to a year. And, you know, 20 if you cut somebody's handicap 20%, that's a good cut, right, if they stay on that. And I thought that would be a great topic for uh, – so let's talk about the ways that you could help – you know, if a person came to you and they say, hey, I'm a 20 handicap – and I want to cut my handicap by 20%, so that's going to be four or five shots, where would you start with them? Well, the big deal is, like Richard can get onto it, with, we talk about gapping wedges and what's in the bag. You don't need to have 14 clubs. Generally, I mean, a lot of people feel like they have to have a lot of fairway woods, but generally you could be at the bottom end. We're talking about gap wedges and 60-degree wedges and a couple hybrids. Would you agree? I mean, a lot of times 
they don't have enough loft. Yeah, I mean, with, with technology today and the way that when I'm looking at the trends of all the clubs getting really stronger, you can see like, I don't see any more f- like four irons and three irons in the bag. Uh-huh. And even I've cut that out and I started at a four iron and and I go four through pitching wedge and I've added a gap wedge even just for my game. But yeah, I mean, gap wedging is very important, especially when a pitching wedge is 43 degrees. I mean, you need, you know, I try to go from there. I just try to go five degrees from, from you know, down on end and just try to do that and try to get everybody like getting to hit at least uh, their numbers and, you know, so you don't see so many, you know, two clubs the same, you know. Sure. Don't you, don't you think like one thing that would help golfers is like if they actually, and I know you guys have push nails here and you launch pros that members can use and, and, and I love those because I think they're awesome for the regular public. But, like, if they actually knew how far they really carried the right. ball, like, I mean, to me, that's, like, such a – now, with you, Tim, you touched on technology. Like, that's, to me, like, one thing that could – without even taking a golf lesson, if somebody just went out there and really figured out how far they carried the damn golf ball, I mean, they'd have to get better, wouldn't they? Sure. Well, well my favorite thing is when you, you're going, you go out on the golf course and you play with them, <laughs> and they say, uh, you're like, they, they ask you, or they'll ask me my opinion, hey, what do you, what do you think I should hit here? It's 100 yards. And I'm like, well, I, you got to carry it like 95 and hit it 100. And they go and they take their 100-yard club and they come up like 15 yards short. And I'm like, no, no, did you, I said carry. That's not, it, it doesn't end at 100. It, <laughs> I want, I needed to carry. The cover, the cover, the number. Because they used to be the big thing and remember the breakers and the same thing at Ever, yeah. at Everglades when you were there, they have no clue how far they hit it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they think they hit everything 300 yards yeah. with the driver and it's like, Remember, they could never make it to the trees at the breakers. Yeah, no, that's true. Right? It right, but like, it was like... It was like 240 yards and 230. And they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I hit it like 300. But you're like, Lynn Valentine just was with dealing with the club change. Now, with TaylorMades, I mean, how much further you hit it. It was oh. like the change. It's like trying we're to gap them all up. About how far we're hitting it off the tee and, and the irons and fairways. But what about the short game? You're going to cut strokes 20%, like you said. Yeah. Chipping is funny. I mean, that's... Two, three shots aside. That's easy. Yeah, I always tell the story. I did this golf school down in Mexico with Mark Wood, with Woody, and we had a lady, and we took him on the golf course, and, you know, she, she had never broken, like, 45 or 6. And my job, Woody, even though I was in charge, I was he told me what to do the whole weekend. So I was in charge of this lady, and all I did was caddy for her. Like, I told her where to aim, club to hit, and she would – She'd have like 160 in, and there'd be bunkers, and there's no way she could carry 160. So I'd like hand her an eight iron and aim her way out to the right, and then we'd pitch it in up, do stuff like that. And she shot 41 or 40, yeah. right? And like, I mean, you know, she's like, well, how did I do that? Like, I mean, we didn't. Even, she's like, we didn't even hit it most of the greens. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's and it, one stroke to avoid three extra. Right, right, right. Because like I watched her, I knew she wasn't going to get out of a bunker, you know. But, but stuff like that, and I think, Lynn, like you touched on that and you were talking about it today with some a lot of the content and stuff we filmed today. Like, there's so much that you can help people with that don't have anything to do before we fix a grip, a posture, a pivot, or make a golf swing change, right? Like, I think, I think so many people could get better 
if before they took a golf lesson on the range, if they went and you played nine holes with them and helped them around the golf course, like that'd be such a great value and way to get better. Don't well, that's you what think? Dan does so well with less loft, too. Yeah. You know, like we were taught, he gets people using what seven irons, eight irons. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, keep the ball to the ground and it's less pressure and the go-to shot. Yeah, absolutely. We get out there, um, especially with the facility that we've got where we can practice on course short games so easily with the practice holes. You know, and you can get out there in real situations and people don't realize just getting the ball onto the green, yeah. right? If you can accomplish that in one shot, like that should be a goal sometimes. And, and that would help so much. People, you know, they're always standing on the range. I watch it all day long. People are trying to get those three extra yards, five extra yards out of their driver, and they'll whack drivers all day long on the range. When really what they're doing is they're working really hard to save a tenth of a shot, maybe. The difference between a good drive and a, and a bad drive is like literally a tenth of a shot, right? Whereas the difference between getting the ball on the green in one versus getting the ball on the green in two from 20 yards away, that's a full shot, right? And, and, but they don't practice that ever. So just yeah. you know, learning how to get it on the green and then you know, try to make your play. Well, we filmed some stuff yesterday you know, for, for golf.com and some different things. And one of them was just about when you're short-sided, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about you know, just I think the way players assess situations, they, you could help them a lot. Like, so you, you're short-sided, you've got, what did we have? You didn't have very many feet between the bunker and the pin, and you had even less, but time the pin and yeah, a run Yeah, it was like a 25-yard pitch shot. Right. And you had no green to work with. But there was all kinds of green out to the left of the pin. Yeah. Right? And, and like, I think helping people understand when hitting it to, like, pitching the ball to 18 or 20 feet or 15 feet is yeah. okay. Yeah, it's okay. Right? Versus, like... Trying to hit it five feet when you've got a one in 200 chance for your skill set, you know? What about you, Tim? Uh, I mean, I look at it kind of on the other side of things as far as the average 20 handicap that I see, their fundamentals, most of them, are terrible. You know, so I'm, I'm going to sit there and really work hard to get them to understand, you know, if you can manage your game, that's great, but let's improve the quality of the misses mm-hmm. within your game. And that, to me, I found to be very successful, you know, teaching somebody how to put their hands on the club proper so their face squares up, and making sure that their posture is in reasonable position so that they can create a decent pivot to get the club on plane. And in doing that, it's amazing how many strokes real quickly because they just start hitting the ball in the center of the face. And if they got a reasonable grip, the ball flies somewhat straight, and getting them then to find the numbers and to be able to manage the thoughts of, okay, what do I do with this new game is, it's been night and day for a lot of players. You know, Richard, when you grew up in Doral with your dad, being the harping on fundamentals and practice and course management, and you know, understand how to. A lot of times, people don't even know how to play. Unfortunately, right? They get so fixated on hitting balls, and mm-hmm. and that's the big thing we we were talking about earlier yeah. today. Yeah, is learn how to score, and you don't have to hit driver every time either. Correct. I think so many guys learn how to play golf or hit the ball with a six-pack and a buddy on a Saturday afternoon. You know, they clean the garage out. You know, hey, Steve, I found this, this set of clubs in my garage. You want to go down to that driving range and just learn to hit the ball? And they go, they have a good time, but then they kind of get hooked. But they've started on fundamentals that are just not going to allow them to, to keep to progress. Well, I think they're also, with all the stuff on social media, and sometimes Lynn and I, we talked a little bit about this over the last couple of days, but like, you see all of this crazy stuff out there on social media, right? 
and people go to the range and they start looking at wrist angles and all of this stuff and they're trying all these funky shadowing things and they don't even have the ball in the right spot or they don't they're not set up correctly or they don't have the grip right and tim to your credit i mean i think that like it's one thing i've been impressed with hanging out down here is watching everybody teach is like you're getting people's fundamentals established before you dive into other stuff you know and normally when you take care of the fundamentals that funky stuff takes care of itself anyways and you don't you don't have to do quick, much. quick Go ahead. departure from that. So, you know, I think as, as pros, we spend a lot more time working on fundamentals than, than most of our standards. So I was watching, and quick shout out to my Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. Um, there you go. Watching the uh, <laughs> NLCS the other day. And John, John What's your pick? Are they going to win in how many yeah, games? The Phillies are going. They're uh, six games, I think. Six, six. games. Okay, I think we're they take hold. one in Houston. I think they lose one in Philly, but the six games will be better. Okay, I'm in with that. I'm in. All right. So, anyway, um, so John Smoltz is in the booth, right? And he's talking about pitching. And it happened to start raining in the middle of the Phillies game. And, you know, rather than getting all involved with, you know, what's happening and the, in, the, the inner workings of, you know, what's going on in the pitcher's mind, he's literally talking about how they're focusing more on how to grip the baseball, <laughs> right? And these are the best players in the world in the championship series pitching these unbelievable games in front of millions of people, talking about how to hold on to the baseball, right? And so I think the fundamentals like that can be applied across any sport. And, you know, Absolutely. No, 100%. That's awesome. And, and like, yet, to Tim's point, a guy picks up a six-pack in a club and goes, yeah. right? And then he'll go take a lesson or something, and they'll not want to focus on the grip, right? Mm-hmm. But yet, the best players in the world, you know, in baseball, they're talking about the grip. And it's the same thing. I can't tell you how many tour players I've had. Hey, what's what's wrong with my grip? Like mm-hmm. something feels off. Something feels different. Or, you know, I, I flew to San Diego one time to fix a guy's ball position. Right? Like it happens. Right? And they they pay the most attention to those things. And so if you're listening to this, you should be too. Really? Sure. You're ready for jingle ball. Well, I mean, my jingle bell classic. It's a, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm gonna win this year. My third flight. I'm playing. <laughs> Enough. I'm. I, I mean, I, I. I get to play the white tees, and I'm getting six strokes. So that's a beauty. Tone and I are seniors, so we're we have the four tees now. <laughs> I put a rule in the rule sheet. This is one of the advantages of being a professional. I put in parentheses at the bottom of a rule sheet that if you were over 50, slow club head speed, and you'd had a tumor taken out of your colon, you got to play up two sets of tees. <laughs> Nobody read it. I played the white D's cash to check. <laughs> we got Rich, Rich. Come on, you're quiet over there. No, he I, scares I, me when he's quiet. <laughs> he's thinking. He's I, it's dangerous. <laughs> I, I do agree with what you said uh, earlier, Tony, with the, with, the, uh, with the course management and you, like just basically going with somebody and telling them where to go. That's mm-hmm. that's such a that's such a big thing, especially in club club formats, right? Mm-hmm. So, How much do you guys use? How much do you guys use the golf course and the practice holes? I do. I use it a lot. I, I do. I take my my students out there a lot. I think it's fabulous. I take the out, yeah. yeah. I, I like to I like to do like half a lesson on the range. I mean, half of it is just like fixing somebody's grip. And I, I you know I grew up with McLean. McLean, like there, there's always like. Jim know, was out here today. Yeah, he was. I saw him. I haven't seen him in a long time. He looked great. You know, and grips is such a such an important thing, right? I mean, it's it's our connection to the golf club, and. You know, how many times do I have to fix that? And then 
we go out to the to the golf course and then I just want to apply it. Like, you know, I just mm-hmm. start off I'll start off with little short shots like from thirty yards, twenty yards. Just so that they can understand like how to control the club again, the mm-hmm. club face. And then from there then I'll pull them back and then we'll we'll hit we'll go even to hit a driver or two on on some of those holes. And some and the second hole that's pretty tight, so it's kinda nice to see them hit one and like you got you got it. Steve, what did you reference with Jeff Warren? With your short game and stuff with me today? Oh no! Well, I mean Jeff. Jeff is. I mean, you guys know. I mean, he, he's fantastic around the greens, and he he taught me a lot when I was growing up. And he, you know, his, his biggest thing is always like like holding the club really soft at the hands and just trying to use. I try to I, I try to use very little on the wrist, but. I know I probably use a lot of it, mm-hmm. but I don't really see it. But I, I feel like I don't. But I. But the most important thing that I always do is I try to hold on to the golf club really, really soft, like a two, like one, one being coming off my hands, two to ten being as hard as I can. I try to get my, I try to grab it really, really, really soft, and to allow me my, so I can use the the golf club's weight like, to to hit the ball rather than them manipulating. I let the golf club kind of do its job makes me a lot more shallower and I used to bounce really well. We, oh, I think the other one you were talking about was the, uh, the, the short game. The, um, the short game, the, uh, the bunker shot when it was a plug. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was big on just, you know, put, put the club, I mean, put the ball position like even like behind the right foot and it was a very like really abrupt up and down chopping motion. And I got really good at it where I felt like it would come out, it comes out with very little spin and it rolls down, down to the hole. I mean, but he was brilliant by that. So like I always teach any, any person, any, any of our students, I always, uh, I always try to teach that, that one shot because I mean, that saves them. But bunkers nowadays too, I, I really, I mean, I don't know, do you, I don't get very many plug lies as much, especially here. I don't We're know. fortunate. Yeah, we yeah. got better conditions than most. Yeah. yeah. We don't get a whole lot around. So Tim, let's came to observe today. Yeah. So we were talking about this before we kind of sat down a little bit about what you saw. Mm-hmm. And we talked about what we thought like the better players, how they liked that format. Talk a little bit about what you saw and what you liked and what you thought how we all worked together was different. It's, it's a lot different than, than what you see at a lot of other academies, clubs, however you want to say it. But, you know, obviously our history being what it was, I got to kind of see this starting up in Panama City, you know, the beginning of, of the new sweep of camps and the retreats, and to come back six years later. I was really disorganized back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to see its evolution and to see it done in a location where you can kind of have it structured the way that it is, where you're in the bay, you know, you kind of get to set the plan for the weekend, and then they know what they've got, and then... The cool part about it is it's such a relaxed environment that everybody still gets what they need. You know, meaning they kind of they get their, their little plan, and then if it looks like they're not quite getting it, like for example, we won today, which I could kind of tell what quite 100% sold on the field. He was not sold. Yeah, and so it took. He him, was driving me crazy. Took took a couple <laughs> of helpings of you know the same verbiage and a little bit different verbiage for him to get, and then towards the end it was like you could see the light in his head had clicked. And it finally went off, but I think for better players, they want to be able to, okay, what's my goal? Whether it's for today, the week, the month, or until I see you next. And then from there, go work on it and come back. And whether that's, you know, 
in a more time-lapse setting or like we had today where it's you know, maybe 25, 30 minutes and then they come back in, it's, it's awesome. It's just really cool to watch. Richard, you've been such a good player a long time. I mean, like, I always feel like standing there watching somebody for an hour, right? Like, I, I don't feel, I feel like good players to me want to get their information and kind of go work on it and process it. And then they kind of want to come back with their questions and what you know, whatever it is. Is this better? Is it not? Or why is it doing this? Why that? Like I, you know, to me, that's kind of how I came up with or started doing this, and was like, you know, let's give you what you need to work on, give you a feel, some drills, and then you kind of work on it, and then come back and check on it, and go do some short game with Dan, do some bunker stuff, whatever, do some on course stuff. To me, like, I mean, what do you think about that for being such a good player? Um, no, I, I think that's brilliant. I mean, like that's that's exactly. I mean, I, I especially if you have like ADD or something like that, you, know, <laughs> you can't you can't process this and like you know <laughs> to do like an hour lesson and just sit there. We and finally figured out, LB. <laughs> you mean he's got ADD? <laughs> he finally he finally we finally released the Kraken. We <laughs> <laughs> <No>. found it. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's it's uh, it's funny. Um, <laughs> so mean. Um, no, it, you want me to edit that part out about your ADD? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> Friends like these. No, but I, I think um, yeah, to go in there and, and work on, it, especially what you guys do. Like you guys do a lot of um, you know physical as well, and you're, you're putting bands on, and you're, you're trying to get them the feels, and that's awesome. And then and then they go out and they and they you know practice it for. For a half hour, and, and it's great. I mean, that's that's awesome. No, I mean, the, only, the only thing, like, if we go back to club, like our club golfer, I mean, that that is hard to do. I mean, only because you have an hour to person, and yeah. you need to, you need, you definitely need to help that that person improve. And it's like sometimes, I tell you, sometimes like you're doing a lesson, you guys, but you, you have a lesson, you you they they hit a couple of good ones, and you're like, man, I'm I'm, I'm out of here. I'm good. And then they always want to go and press and have. Let me hit another one. Let me hit another one. And then it starts to go the other way. And then it starts. It's going. It it goes down the deep end. And then it's like now I got to fix something up. And it's like it's it's nice to like maybe just go in there and just kind of look. Let's do let's do this. We got we got the good swing. Let's go work on short game. And and they and then leave it and and then let them work on it a little bit. Maybe that's the way to. Well, I think you can do it in your own teaching. Like you you touched on it with the practice holes, right? You can do half and half. You can. You can. This is the one thing you're working on. This is what it is. Get them to hit a few good, and then you go, and then you okay. So let's go out there and do some short game and some stuff on the practice holes, right? And get them off of it. You know, I think that's another way to kind of do the same thing. You know, great players seem to be they want the least amount of information, mm-hmm. and it seems like good players want a little more. And then as you start to get to the, the kind of the club golfers, they want everything. Right. You know, they want to know why everything works. What Don't you think that's because action. better players understand that yeah. they understand that yeah. less is more, right? But I also think they're they're always looking for you know, it's not okay, yeah, that was bad. What I do wrong is more, yeah, that was bad. I wanna really work towards where I'm going versus looking back and getting all that recirculated in the head. I want to talk about Lynn for a minute in a good way, right? No, like, no, I'm just saying, like, no, shit, something, something she brought. I want to ask you, like, why did you decide to come over to watch? And Lynn, like, you were all, we were, we filmed a bunch of content. It was so fun watching you do your stuff, was awesome. Like, and you talked about, like, getting stale, like, it was fun coming up and doing this stuff. 
like I'm passionate about helping younger teachers, other teachers. Want to hear like why you decided to come over and watch? Because we had two two of y'all today, Dustin from down at uh, JL. JL, and you coming over from the West Coast. Like, what made you decide to to do this? So first and foremost, I mean, free beer. Work, <laughs> not yet. Working on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, working under Todd Soames for 15 years in Chicago, I mean, one of the biggest things that he harped on was go watch other teachers. Whether they're better than you, whether they're worse than you, whatever you might think, go watch other teachers. And that's something that I really took to heart. And even guys that I don't particularly like, <laughs> I try to go watch because... Is that us? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I came you, back, Tony. You shouldn't have said that before I buy the drinks at dinner. <laughs> Uh, but going to watch people that you know you might not normally think of going to watch, you're going to pick up something. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be in my eyes, you might affirm what you've already learned, or you might pick up something totally different that they've said. But you know, him, you, I mean, all the, the great teachers that I've ever spent time with, uh, Mike Adams, Mike Bender. I mean, they all say the same thing: go watch other coaches, go watch other programs. And one of my long-term goals is to be in a position where I do something similar to really get groups of people together and help them in a much more casual way that it's not so structured. And and you being down here and just you know obviously being across the state, for me it's it's a no-brainer to come watch as much as I can now. Well you're always welcome. It was fun. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, you'll buy the beer next time though. Right. After that comment of watching people you don't think are any good. Lynn, <laughs> talk about kind of getting re-energized and like Talk about the content stuff we did. It was fun. Oh, it was a, it was a freaking blast. I mean, I grew up playing, played the Future Store, played a couple U.S. Opens, and decided to get into teaching in 2008. But if you stay at a place where I was at Bear Lake for 24 years with Messer and learned a lot from him, and I came here to Old Tom, and you just pick something that keeps your brain fresh. You can get out there and watch, you know. If it, and I miss doing that. I miss going and watching other teachers teach. It's fun. I love it. it. Yeah. I love it. it, it was, I mean, we're only on, where are we, Friday? Today's Friday? Friday's Friday. Friday. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking forward to another day tomorrow doing this and learning and just pass, passing on our passion for the game with the young kids that we have and we have um, some gentlemen in there that they're just so happy. Um, Jim. Frank Frank. Hadn't picked up a club in 12 years. He has four daughters, just picked it up four months ago. And to see the gratification when he was hitting the short game shots, Dan and I worked with, with uh, the two of them, he was so happy. And to me, that's what gets me. I'm, I'm set for the night. Like, I love being able to pass on my knowledge to see what they can, what they can do and keep going. And they're always willing to learn. And I love that. I love that like, with the club members. I love that. They want to learn. I love that. I love the culture, too, of Hack knows this, Dan knows this. I love everybody teaching together and working together. You know, I always think it's because, like, I would have wished I'd have been tall or fast enough to play, like, a team sport, you know, but uh, I wasn't very fast or tall. And uh, and so, I, you know, I, I just always think of it like as a team, it's, it's fun, you know, being part of a team. And it's been so fun hanging out here with you all because you feel like you're part of something that's growing and going to be cool. You, you know, said team, you said team, and that's that's what it is. You that's know, what it's about so, so Dan, what do you think about this so far? No, I love these formats. I, I think um, you know, last year we were all 
so busy and, and golf is taking off and taking off here. And, you know, a lot of times we don't get a chance to watch each other, but these formats are great. We mm -hmm. get a chance to watch each other, kind of play off of each other. Um, you know, I think it benefits the student, it benefits oh, yeah. us, and then you know we continue to make the program better. I think it's great. I love hearing things said. Like you said a couple things today that I was thinking about, or seeing what you were seeing, but I was thinking about it in a different way. Like for example, when you had the one kid put the ball on his heel, mm -hmm. and to get him to stop pulling the heel up, he said roll the ball towards the front foot. I stole that. I stole that. Butch showed That's that. Not really. No, nothing oh. I've got is original. <laughs> I thought that was a Deuce Looper original. I'm taking no. that out of my notebook. It's gone. No, use it. Just give somebody else credit. Absolutely. I don't want to get caught for plagiarism. Hack, what'd you think, bud? It was great. No, it's always good because it keeps people motivated. And then we all have, we're like, she said it best the other day. We're all saying the same message. That's so funny how some people are Teflon and different wording or different verbiage or illustrations or feels, how people connect. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the whole thing. And that's why you keep the, the team and I, I there's no was, I. I thought that was really cool. You and I with uh, Chauncey, 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 um, the girl. Um, oh, yeah. we Causey, Causey. Killed her name. But Mark and I, were, we're, we were kind of teaching her. How fun is she to teach though? Oh, she's she's great. great. She's awesome, girl. Mark That's her laugh. She just takes everything in. Yeah. So talented too. Um, really good strong. Swing. And we were we were kind of pleasant playing around with her with um, the short game and, and showing her this like one shot and you know how to get a little bit shallower and not to take such a big divot and trying to teach her about like arms a little soft and spaghetti arms and and she was just loving it. And That's it was awesome. really good and she was getting so much better. So that was a lot of fun. Awesome stuff. Hack. Thanks as always. No, guys. it just keeps us all motivated too. It's always. Culture's key. Tim, thanks for coming and hanging out this weekend. I appreciate the opportunity. Richard, Lynn, thanks for everything. And Dan, thanks for the opportunity and for letting me hang out with y'all and be part of Carol's team. It's fun. We'll do this again. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.